Uh, Abhiji, yes. you've read a lot of history. I'm sure you'd be aware of this, but it wasn't mentioned. When the World War started, I think in, in right, World War One, that is, yes. in right earnest was the early September or late August, something like that. But before that, Gandhi had started from South Africa mm -hmm. to go to England. And the war was declared while he was still on board. Yes. When he landed, he found the war had been declared. And so, you know, he chose to and was also stuck for a while. Now, from September to December, this guy <clears throat> who would be, you know, making all kinds of noise day in and day out for four months <clears throat> before he came back to India, mm -hmm. towards the end of 1914 or early 1919, there was not a squeak out of him. Not a squeak out of him. And uh, speculation is, and I think with reason, they worked out some kind of deal with the Brits. That's all lots of people who have read a lot of history say. Okay. I say that too, sir. So, so what happened was that he actually campaigned for Indians to join the war effort, to donate for the war effort while he was in England. And if you look back into Gandhi's history, he was a lieutenant, I think. Uh, he had some kind of a, an official military position in the, in the South African, during the Boer War, yes. He, he was an ambulance driver. During Boer War, his role was only to provide service and all that, not, not recruit people. He petitioned and pleaded to the British to allow Indians to fight in service of the empire. He was not allowed to do that. So at that time, he was perfectly fine with warfare and violence. And stretchers were war wounded. Yeah, he, he, he drove ambulances and carried stretchers and all that, yes. So Gandhi, I mean, it's a, he's a very complex and fascinating personality. There are lots of contradictions. So, I mean, even during the World War, when Indian soldiers were enlisted to fight for the British, he did not protest that either. So that's that's true. And he couldn't recruit anybody in England, in India, anyway. Yeah. Most of his, you know, it's kind of death here. The Brits had to resort to actually, you know, taking people by force. Conscripting them, yes. Yeah. That's right. Don't you see a pattern here? Like, uh, Gandhi was earlier uh, pro-war, mm -hmm. and then he became anti-British. Mm -hmm. Jinnah was earlier pro-Hindu Muslim unity and then he goes on for a separate nation. Mm -hmm. This contradiction is not there in Ataturk. So does this make a great leader like? Well, that's a good question. Excellent question. The thing you have to see is that when a leader says something, when somebody who is a leader says something, you should ignore what they say and just observe their actions. See, Gandhi opposed partition till the very end. He was vociferous in his opposition to partition. Nehru and Patel got tired of Gandhi, got tired of listening to him. Patel himself was anti-partition, but when he saw that it's inevitable, he went with it. But Gandhi was vociferous and vocal in his opposition to the partition. And yet, when partition happened, you know what Khan Abdul Ghaffar Khan said to Gandhi? You have thrown us to the wolves. So why did Khan Abdul Ghaffar Khan say that to somebody who opposed partition vociferously. And why did he not blame the British? You see, Gandhi was a very, very powerful and influential person. One word from him could have set the entire nation aflame. So he could have mobilized the whole nation with just one word. He, what, what he was doing was basically virtue signaling. I oppose partition, I oppose partition. Why don't you act? Why don't you stand up and ask the people to stop the partition, right? 
Ask the people to go out to the streets. Uh, downright dishonest. Actually, in June, he said, oh, my dead body. But he let it happen. He let it happen, exactly. So it wasn't always dead body. So the guy was being dishonest. Please. Exactly, exactly. See, he, he did not do anything to, to stop partition. He just kept saying that I oppose partition. If you oppose it, why don't you do something about it? And he was very much in a position to do something about it. He was very powerful. See, constancy of purpose is one of the hallmarks of a great leader. See, See, opinions change, your views change. When you're 20 years old, you're not really mature. When you're 40, you may be a, you may have a totally different worldview. This happens to all of us. So, so that's not a, that's not a very big issue. The issue is whom do you serve, and, and do you actually serve their interests, or do you say that you serve their interests and you're serving somebody else's interests? They, that's what we need to look at, you know. And that's what we need to examine from their actions, not from the words. So clearly Gandhi has a certain, we need to examine him in more detail, right? Yeah. Uh, when you talk about the Turkish origin of the India party. Yes. But uh, if you consider India's Muslims and in the Sir Sayyid Ahmed Khan, mm -hmm. he in 1885 gave this theory of India, Indian Muslims and in Indian Hindus and Muslims are two nations. Two nation theory, though uh, common Nazariya. Yes, yes, exactly. So. Khilafat might have a cascading effect on India's Muslim psyche that, okay, we may have to go for a, this Pakistan theory and all, but the origin in the Indian Muslim psyche, it was Shah Sayyid and Ahmed Khan. How do you see his role in this partition? Right. Thank you. Yeah. So, Sir Sayyid Ahmed Khan was, he, it was some, sometime in the 19th century, right? Yeah. So, the thing is that at that time, the people of India, India was India is a vast country and it was not integrated and united by, by information did not reach everywhere very fast. So people sitting in one corner of India will not know what's happening in the other corner of India. And that's why it was very difficult to build unity, especially among a so-called minority population. So I would I would think, I would guess, I would imagine that even though Sir Sayyid Ahmad Khan was promoting this particular narrative, it may not have reached it may not have pervaded throughout the country, right? But when Gandhi supported the Khilafat movement, it became a nationwide phenomenon. And a force multiplier. Exactly, a force multiplier. So that's what galvanized the entire thing. It did start, the, the Do Komi Nazariya did originate with uh, Sir Sayyid Ahmad Khan. But this is the, tr the trigger, the catalytic event that that precipitated, precipitated partition. And especially, of course, we know that the British supported it. If the British did not support it, or if Gandhi opposed it, it would not have happened. Um, British kept uh, Gandhi alive. Uh, there were 40 books uh, being published across the world outside India till recently. I don't know now how it is happening. And uh, I think Gandhi uh, was, uh, as we uh, learned to love Gandhi through Ben Kinsley movie, and then later, it is like uh, he was he was a deconstruct of the person who was propped actually, and uh, he he was totally against the idea of eternal India, Bharat. You know, he actually ravaged this country into ahimsa and non-practical things, and he actually finished. He was the most hinsak. Uh, you know, he was the most violent person. Why do you say so? He finished uh, Netaji Subhash. Mm -hmm. He finished uh, Bhagat Singh, mm -hmm. he, he finished uh, Veer Savarkar mm -hmm. and they become the sidekicks. Let me give you an example. When India got independence, the Congress party elected somebody as the Prime Minister. What did Gandhi do? He arm twisted the Congress by saying that I will go fast un un until death. He said that you need to 
select my guy as prime minister and he forced Sardar Patel to withdraw. So is this Ahinsa? The thing is, does non-violence actually work the way Gandhi prescribed it? What Gandhi, see, do you know what Gandhi advised the Jews? He advised the Jews to sacrifice their lives in, in mass. He did that for the Hindus as well. He, he did that for the Hindus as well. In, in 1990, if Muslims must kill us, we must offer ourselves, is yes. what he went on record to. So we need to understand what leadership really is, right? We need to be able to decide whether a leader, leader need to, needs to look a certain way. Does, he, does a leader need to be tall and speak in a loud voice? Or can a leader be something else? Action. Action only. Action, Action and results. So I have a question. Yeah. Um, Ataturk was burning and then there was population exchange and all of this and then suddenly he turns against Islam, I'm not able to. Is that what happened, right? You said he was never for Islam. But the population exchange between Greece and Turkey. Yeah, that was, he was trying to create a homogeneous nation of Turkic, Turkish speaking people. But was Turkish culture. speaking equal to religion as well in his mind? No. Because 19% went down to 2.5% and those original Christians, Armenians or Greece, Greeks, they were not Turkics in his mind. They were not, yeah. Okay. See, what happened was that he was his aim was to establish a homogeneous society. Many events happened that actually helped his cause, but he did not he did not participate in that. For example, the Armenian genocides, those those were that was a horrible event that totally eradicated the Christian Armenians from Anatolia and, and Turkey. And again, this uh, Greek war of the Turkish war of independence after the Greek invasion, that also ensured that all the Greeks are driven out. So these things, I mean, he was not. You, if you look at, if you examine his life, he was never pro-Islam. He did not believe in Islam, but he was practical. So if the population is acting in a certain way, he did not really come in their way. He let it happen. So he was a practical leader. Now, question is, if Gandhi would not have supported. Nehru, then the right man would have get a place and the fittest person was that Jinnah. Jinnah was very very intelligent, high level of smart, intelligent and all those qualities and he was a very much international person. Mm -hmm. Now the root cause lies there and there was an interview by Attili in the governor's house. Why did you leave India when India was the, he was the crown jewel? Did you leave for Gandhi? No, he said. We left because of Netaji, because everybody gone against Navy, Army, even the every institution. Yes, yes. So could not keep anybody. That's why we have to leave. It is not for Gandhi. Gandhi had no contribution. In fact, he destroyed the everything. And I am a great supporter of the person who killed him. Not that I am a murderer, not, but he was a nice person who killed him. And he said, I am killing it, people will say I am a murderer. But he was a quite postgraduate person. He was a writing magazines and he had done enough, enough good jobs. Now our entire history has to be rewritten. And once we rewrite, then search your heart and find out what has gone wrong. If you try to get through, then possibly our good things will come. Correct. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Sorry, I have a little objection to uh, sure. Jinnah being uh, the right man. Uh, the reason basically being that had India not partitioned, we would have had a very large Muslim population. 
and uh, i've asked this question and raised this multiple times if india were today in the new political entity called india now were to become 80% muslim will india remain would its value systems the cultural heritage or the civilizational values remain absolutely not so i mean the the civilizational values have to be protected which i also did not so see in your slide so how do we do that that's the question yeah sorry we'll have to basically the constitution has to be changed and i am a complete advocate of a hindu rashtra there is no other way to protect the civilization even from the change of or even from the change of demographics even if we were to remain secular and all of this business the the rise of we are at a point um, in another one or two years our overall population growth especially the hindu growth will fall to about 1.9 which is not even replacement rate yeah. the muslim population growth is at about 3.4 in the country in various parts so the demographic change is inevitable if we do not do something about it now we cannot protect the the thing is how do you change the constitution there's an entire mechanism that yes, doesn't allow you to do that I mean, you know this there has to be a firstly a very large scale awakening of of hindus in, in it will never happen as long as the textbooks keep yes. telling you lies yeah i've had a question about the partition and how it came about for like 2 3 months it's an open ended question for you uh, if you have any views on this so to demand partition jinnah and muslim league gave a circular to all the muslims of india that they are to continue atrocities on hindus yes specifically hindus mm. until we get an acceptance for a special you know separate islamic country right now my question is that in that particular situation what would have been a reasonable way of going about it to check that because um, see i am not saying gandhi was good i am not saying he was right so and so was wrong i'm that's that's not my question at all right my question is realistically thinking going back now the mechanism with which this was carried out was planned violence by muslims they were armed they were fully aware of what they are doing they were fully aware of reasons for which they were doing they were doing this started it in the month of ramadan but hindus were unaware and yes. hindus were unarmed and the only at that time because it was still the british government which was in charge at that time the so called forces which could have prevented it were the british the police and the government army everything was in the hands of the british and they obviously did not want to check partition right so they did not do anything so in that situation would was there a, a sensible a reasonable mechanism for hindu leaders including perhaps gandhi to actually check that or was partition just a way to sort of just stop that violence and you know the genocide of hindus there is a question for which i don't have any fixed answer yet it's an open ended question i just wanted to know your views on it if you have So Gandhi was essentially given an ultimatum: partition or civil war, right? right. And he and chose. And Jinnah said that we will, if you want war, we will have war. Yeah, civil war, right? We will have a civil war, and it will eventually end, end, end in a partition. That's what he had said. So the option is partition or civil war, and Gandhi chose partition. There is another leader who had the same choice. His name was Abraham Lincoln. Partition or civil war? He chose civil war. So there are times when violence is justified. There are just causes for war. My question was: Did partition do more damage, or would that civil war have done more damage and more? That's exactly what he's answering. No, no, I'm not answering that. See, I I don't know how to evaluate that. Okay. A, see, a war has a limited temporal impact. It it devastates a country possibly for a limited amount of time, and then you rebuild. A partition. 
that ha- the, which the partition which happened it is a civil war that's still going on it's a nuclear armed civil war so have we really been able to solve the problem that gandhi sought to solve by partitioning the country we have not we we have a separate country called pakistan that does not wish us to live in peace it wants to destroy us and the demographic problem that the partition sought to achieve to sought to solve still exists so partition did not solve anything right in my opinion it solved nothing the the problem still remain partition ko jaisa hoga ki chandramur ki tarah sab matlab usne asar jo hai zameen mein dal diya ye sochta hai ki abhi to kuch hone wala hai dekh lenge baad mein टाइम where most of most of them were from the congress ecosystem right we have to remember what the congress is it was created by alan hume a british uh, an englishman it was always chaperoned and shepherded by english people the members of the congress were mostly british educated english speaking people you would not see a vernacular speaking person rising to prominence in the congress except for somebody like patel that's a that's a black sheep that's a outlier so the congress party itself was created by the british to steer the independence movement of india in a certain direction and all the hindu leaders that you mentioned came from that particular mindset the other there may have been other people with differing opinions but they never gained any traction their views never gained interaction they had no influence they could not reach out to people taking from the life of mata tork do you think that if let's say uh, you know we had somebody who was more uh, culturally oriented and who understood the indian values and indian culture and who probably had become uh, you know instead of uh, you know what the role which gandhi played so then probably despite uh, the the muslim population we could have had a very different uh, you know cultural uh, fabric built into because what ataturk did uh, you know probably was that despite having a you know a islamic uh, background he was able to change you know the course of their history and you know the future by you know abolishing uh, like you said uh, you know arabic bringing in latin and all that so was was there a possibility at that point in time that we could have been a very different uh, you know evolve i mean we could have evolved very differently the po- the possibility always exists but you need the right person you need the right kind of person at the right kind of time to do that even today anything can happen but you need the right person I mean, there have been great leaders in the past, but uh, if if a country is going through a certain situation, but it does not have the right kind of person to guide it and direct it, then nothing can happen. And if it does have a person, then no, no matter how bad the situation is, it can come out of it. So I would say it was possible for for India to have gone in a completely different direction from what we are now. So it was very possible. Possible. Just imagine if if Bose was there, for example, yeah. if Bose had succeeded, then. I don't know what 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 might have happened. I I've heard that he had plans of uh, imposing a dictatorship for 20 years. Benevolent dictator. A benevolent dictatorship. Lee Lee Kuan Yew or Ataturk. No. Some words were benevolent dictator. Yeah, right. So different uh, things can happen depending on who comes to power. Okay. We'll end with that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.